0: Our children will be going to the back for Children's Church, so kids, you can head that way, and we have good folks there to take you downstairs and share God's Word with you. We're going to pray together here now. Our Father, we thank you for the great message of that song, the fact that you came after us. We're all that one lost sheep. And we're so thankful that Jesus was willing to come after us, not give up on us. And we're here today because of that great mercy and that great love. We pray now that you'll bless us as we open the Bible to the passage that inspired that song. And we pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts and help us to see clearly what a great and wonderful shepherd we have. And the way Jesus sees people and may we have the same mind that he has we pray you'll bless our children and those who are sharing with them even as we open your word here we pray that your will would be done in each life in the name of jesus we pray amen well let's take our bibles and turn to luke 15 luke 15 we're going to look at the first seven verses the savior who welcomes sinners sinners And it really is uh, what that song that the choir just sang and that Mark uh, sang so beautifully, uh, The Ninety and Nine. That song was uh, written by Ira Sankey, who was the song leader for D.L. Moody, one of the great evangelists of the late 1800s, early 1900s, and That song was a song often featured at his revivals, his crusades, that he preached in North America as well as over in in Great Britain. The 90 and 9. And this passage talks about the Savior who welcomes sinners. Follow with me as I read these first seven verses. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, meaning Jesus, To hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost? Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which is lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine just persons. Who need no repentance. How does God view people who don't know him? People who are lost. The religious leaders of Israel, as we see here, sneeringly viewed them as sinners. Now, the truth is we're all sinners, aren't we? Every single person. So it's not that that is not technically true. We are all sinners. But that isn't exactly how they meant it. They meant it as those people are sinners and we are not. Jesus was willing to receive sinners. It's the way you say it. It's the attitude behind the way you say it. That was the problem with these religious leaders. Made, of course, all the more terrible that they were religious leaders. They were people who purported. To know God in a very deep and, and powerful way. And yet they were so far from him. The parable that Jesus told here reveals the shepherd's heart. And of course Jesus is the good shepherd. He called himself that. And this reveals his heart toward those who are sinners. Toward those who are lost. And who need him so very much. Notice first in the first two verses that there was a gathering around Jesus. There's always been a gathering around Jesus. I think that's why he waited until just the right time to begin his ministry. His three year ministry. He was 30 years old before he began his public ministry. Because it had to be the right time. And he knew that as soon as he began it, from that moment forward, there would be this gathering around him, everywhere he went. Because there was something about Jesus that was powerful, different. We know it was because he was God who became a man, who took on human flesh. And so he was the infinite God-man. Fully God, fully man in the same person. And his love, his compassion Was the compassion of God. And that drew people to him. And people flocked to him. Notice it says there in the first verse. It's easy to just read over this. And not catch how significant this was. Then all the tax collectors. And the sinners drew near to him. To hear him. These tax collectors were. One of the most despised groups. On the planet. Of that day. Because they were used by the Romans to take money from the people, exorbitant amounts of money, and they were allowed to keep a good bit of it, some of it, for themselves. As long as they paid Rome what Rome wanted, they could take as much as they could get and keep it for themselves. They were despised by the people. And here they were flocking to Jesus. They gathered. Then all the tax collectors gathered, drew near. To Jesus and the sinners. Now, again, this word sinners, we're all sinners. And Jesus knows that. And that's why he welcomed them. He welcomed people to come to him. Because that's why he came. He came for us. And he was open to all people. But he not only had those folks, people who were sincerely seeking after God, seeking after what Jesus could provide. But he had the religious leaders paying attention to, look at verse 2, and the Pharisees and scribes complained. Now they wouldn't have been able to complain if they were not watching Jesus like a hawk. And they literally were watching him like a hawk. Maybe a vulture is the better word. They were waiting for an opportunity to use anything they could to destroy Jesus because he was a threat to their way of life, their power, their control over the masses of people. They didn't care about the people. They cared about themselves. And they knew that Jesus cared about the people. And that was a threat to them. And so they watched him intently. And they complained when they saw all of these tax collectors and sinners, other assorted sinners, gathering around Jesus. And it says, they said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Some, you see, have utter contempt for the Savior. That was true when Jesus was in the middle of his own ministry. That's true today. It'll be true where you work and where you live at the school you go to, it will always be true until Jesus comes back. There are people that will have utter contempt for Jesus because they don't want to hear the gospel. Or having heard the gospel, they don't want it to change the lives of people. I know it's hard to believe that, but it's true. There are people that don't want others to come to Jesus because it is a threat even as much as Jesus was a threat to these religious leaders there are people who don't want to see their family and friends come to Jesus because it will be a threat to their habits to their priorities to their bank accounts you let you name the list they don't want to see people come to Jesus they have contempt For what Jesus says and what he wants to do in the lives of people. And so they said with great contempt, this man, this man. Now the Greek word can be translated that, but it's not that the translation is wrong. It's the way they, again, said it. They were complaining. That's the word for murmuring. They were murmuring. Against Jesus. That you know it's that undertone. Of hate and disgust. And trying to stir up trouble and difficulty. They were trying to set people against Jesus. And so they said this man receives sinners. And eats with them. So in essence they were saying this guy. That guy. This is what he does. He's like them. He eats with them. He's just like they are. Trying to turn people against the Savior who came for every person, including them. This fellow receives sinners. He's just like them. He likes their company. He likes their kind as if they were a different kind. There's only one kind of human being. We're all made in the image of God. God loves us with an everlasting love. And every one of us is lost apart from God until we receive the love and forgiveness that Jesus can provide. That's the kind that we all are. Every one of us. And they didn't want Jesus to be changing the minds and the hearts of people. And so all of this was was infinitely derogatory in their mind. And they meant it that way when they said this man receives sinners and eats with them. They meant it badly. But, you know, really, their statement, as we see many times in Scripture, the statements of the critics and the haters of Jesus actually contain profound truth. Isn't that amazing? Because what they said is absolutely true. Jesus receives sinners. The word receives is welcomes. He welcomes sinners. And he does dine with them. He has fellowship with them. He will receive us to himself. And he wants to have everlasting fellowship with you and with me. Because of a relationship that we can have. By his grace and by his love. And so they meant it for evil, but they actually, God was even using their hatred to speak the truth about Jesus. And so then he spoke a parable. Now, actually, what we have here in chapter 15, it's usually classified as three parables. But actually, uh, the three really form one message. The three parables, one of which we really look at in detail here today. It really shows us the shepherd's heart. How God views sinners. And the lost. A man who is a shepherd, Jesus talked about. Has a hundred sheep. Now, how is he going to react to that one lost sheep? He could have said, well, I've still got ninety-nine. That's pretty good, 99 out of 100. So I'm not going to worry about the one lost one. No, that's not, that's not God's attitude. That's not how He views us. Because He loves every single one of His sheep. He loves every one of us. And so, like a good shepherd, He would go and do whatever it took to find, to rescue that one lost sheep. And here we find a difference in the way Jesus talked about the lost sheep. Whereas the tax collectors and the other sinners were referred to as sinners derogatorily by the religious leaders. Jesus calls them lost. He talks about that sheep being lost. And he sees us. Yes, we are sinners. But he looks beyond our sin and sees our need and is willing to come after us anyway because he sees that we are lost in sin. And without his help, we'll never find our way home. We'll never find our way to God and eternal life and forgiveness without his help. Think of how many times Jesus spoke this way. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for the lost. Luke 15 through uh, through 7 that we're looking at right here. In verses 8 through 10. They're like a lost coin. The parable of the lost coin. And then the rest of this chapter. A third parable. Maybe the most famous of all. The parable of a lost boy. A prodigal boy the prodigal son, a wayward son. All three of these parables in chapter 15 driving home the same point that God loves the lost and that even though we may be desperately lost in sin, God hasn't given up on us. He comes after us and He wants us for His own. And that's exactly what we find here with the shepherd who leaves the 90 and nine. And goes after that one lost sheep. He knows that people are lost. It's just like that prodigal son. Away, wandering away. Drawn away by the temptations of the world. Or like a sheep that begins to eat grass and just keeps following wherever it can find something That is appealing to its appetite. And before you know it, the sheep has wandered away and is just as lost as a goose. Or lost as a sheep, I guess you could say. Can't find its way back. Well, that's what happens. I don't think most people set out to be lost, do they? We just commit sin. And one sin leads to another. And we just keep following that appetite. And those temptations, and before you know it, we're just, we're utterly lost. Of course, that first sin is enough to make us lost, right? One sin. But there's not any of us that just has one sin. I don't know how many, but I know it's more than one. We're lost without Jesus. And so, He comes after us. Like that shepherd. And look at the wonderful description, verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Lost. I have found my sheep, which was lost. Do you notice how God views us one by one? So many times in Scripture, the way Jesus dealt with people. Yes, he had the masses and the crowds that drew around him and he taught them. But again and again, we find these individual stories, too, where Jesus went after these people one by one, just like this shepherd went after that one lost sheep. God doesn't really see us, I don't think as vast numbers, as crowds, as mobs of people. He sees us individually. He knows our names. He made us for himself. And so Jesus knows your life. He knows where you are, what you've been through. And he's coming after you, just like that shepherd went after that one lost sheep. Matthew 10:29 There is not a sparrow that falls to the ground but that he sees it fall. If God knows every sparrow that falls to the ground, he knows you. And he knows what you're going through. John th- chapter 3, we find one of the greatest sermons ever preached really on the new birth, being born again was preached by Jesus to one man, Nicodemus. Who came to him by night. He took the time for that one man. And he taught him. How he could be saved. How he could move from being lost. To being found. And then as one writer said. Jesus preached the greatest sermon on spiritual worship. To one person. In John chapter 4. That despised outcast Samaritan woman. Again and again we see Jesus. Dealing with people one by one. And that's the way we have to come to Jesus, right? No one can do it for you. You have to come to Jesus individually. Now, there may be others coming at the same time or almost the same time, but it has to be their own individual decision. They have to come to Jesus just as you do. And so, one by one, He comes after us and we follow Him. Mark chapter 1, Jesus laid his hand on the leper. And then in Matthew chapter 9, he opened the eyes of the blind man, one blind man. The demoniac was healed, set free. The publican, on and on, Jesus dealt with these individuals. Just as he deals with us. He comes after us. And then in verses 6 and 7. Notice there is rejoicing in heaven. When one sinner repents. I say to you. Jesus driving home the meaning of the parable. I say to you that likewise. Just like this parable. The shepherd going after the one lost sheep. Bringing it home asking his neighbors to come and rejoice that the one lost sheep was found. Likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, you're not reading the Bible right. Because Jesus here, talk about gigging the Scribes and Pharisees. He really did it here. Because he is saying. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one honest person. Who's willing to say I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus. Who was lost and now is found. Than than, than for all of these self-righteous. Arrogant blowhards. Who think they're not lost. Who think they need nothing from God. They are in and of themselves righteous. These just persons. These 99 just persons who need no repentance. There's not anybody who doesn't need repentance. And Jesus knew that. And that was his point. It's in heaven the rejoicing comes when we are found. But you have to be lost before you can be found. You have to admit you're lost. You have to receive the shepherd who comes to you. To put you on his shoulders and take you home with him. You have to be willing to receive that. To be found. And here when that one lost sheep was found. There was rejoicing in the the neighborhood, in the home of the shepherd. And in heaven, there is rejoicing every time someone comes to faith, when a sinner repents. I hope in your life, you have come to that place where you have realized you were lost. And Jesus has found you. And you've accepted his love and his grace, his forgiveness. And now you're a part of his family. If that hasn't happened, it can happen right at this moment. Because the same Jesus who shared this parable is right here speaking to your heart today. In reality, there are no just people, are there? Only made just, only justified only made right by the precious blood of Christ. We stand before God justified, just as if we had never sinned when Jesus finds us and we embrace Him and He becomes our Savior and Lord. Then we are just and right before God. But it isn't our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ in us. And that's what we all need. And that's what we're called to receive. Heaven rejoices every time one lost sheep is found. That's who God is. That's his heart. That's his love. That's his compassion. That's the Savior we have. And that's who we ought to be. Do we see people that way? We may may have received the love and the forgiveness of Christ. But we're no better than other people who haven't. We are just saved. We've been found. And any goodness in us is because of the goodness of Christ. And so when we see the lost sheep. We should have the same kind of love for them that Jesus has. And do all that we can to help them be found by the shepherd. So they too can come home. Into the Father's house where there will be rejoicing when they give their life to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, we thank you so much for this love. We try to find words To describe it and they always fall short your word is perfect though and thank you for this great parable that really says so clearly who you are and who we are lord if there's someone here today who is a lost sheep help them to see that that's the way jesus sees them And he's the shepherd and he's come after them. And today he wants them to become a part of his family. Give them courage now to be willing to say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I have fallen short. Please forgive me. And come into my life. I give my life to you. And thank you, Lord, that you'll put us on your shoulders. And you'll take us home for all of eternity to be with you. When that moment comes. And until then you'll help us to live for you. As an example. A trophy of your grace. So that others can be found. We pray that your will now would be done in this invitation. That you'll lead us. Help us to follow you. And we pray that in each heart. You will be glorified. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.